Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host. And I'm excited today to bring you an interview with uh, the number one best-selling uh, romantic com- YA romantic comedy writer, Yesenia Vargas. Uh, Yesenia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you again. Of course, we were able to um, and see uh, Cara Bajin is, is walking. All right, this is great. Hey, Cara. Um, we were all just hanging out recently um, yes. at... Uh, at Nink and of course at uh, at Boo Walker's house, former guest of the show, and uh, hopefully future guest of the show again. I love I love Boo. Um, all having a good time, but it's always nice to be able to like catch up some more after the fact and like kind of keep keep the uh, the party rolling. So I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you again. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because you write in, in such an interesting genre, and um, I wanted to share people uh, share your books with with some people and, and tell them a little bit about what you write. So, just could you sum up for uh, our viewers just a little bit about what you write in in your series? Yeah, so I write young adult contemporary romance, um, and it's on the sweeter side. So, um, just really fun, sweet reads, funny too. Um, they have a little bit of everything. Like readers say that you know they're crying at some point, and then they're laughing, you know, on the next page. So it's just something like. This really fun um, escape type of read set in high school, um, very much romance centered. A lot of like the same tropes that you hear about in adult romance. I write too, um, so like the uh, enemies to lovers, um, good girl, bad boy, not fake marriage, but like fake relationships. So okay. again, kind of taking some of those romance tropes, setting them in high school, and having a lot of fun with them. Yeah, and obviously, it's, you know, it's like. You don't want to reinvent the wheel if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing but you being able to adapt it to your particular style and your particular genre is important mm-hmm. um where do you think some of the guideposts are for people who want to write in these well first off why did you choose this category why, why did you decide to write uh sweeter uh, YA romance um well um i feel like you can reach a bigger audience that way mm. um a lot more readers are willing to read um sweet and spicy sometimes like I've heard people describe it as like a lot of spicy readers will will reach sweet but you know sweet readers won't really reach spicy so I was like I'd rather reach more readers and there's still a lot you know room you can play with with sweet romance Mm. and um why I decided to write in the genre is like I think growing up I enjoyed a lot of like kind of YA kind of movies like uh and tv shows like especially like Disney Channel Hilary Duff and Lizzie McGuire and like all of the Disney Channel movies that came out like growing up those were mm-hmm. huge and I those were some of my favorite um, things to enjoy and like doing my free time was like watch those movies read those types of books um, and so I was like I I think I really want to write this it's it's a, yeah. it's a fun it's a fun time in life yeah. to, to go back there you know when you're a teenager and falling in love for the first time you're growing up you're kind of figuring out who you are i i kind of mm-hmm. love to play with all of those themes. yeah the coming of age stories are always interesting to all of us i think mm-hmm. because they're so formative and part of who we are and i think it's i think it's interesting because uh, chris fox was talking about this at nink about how who we are as writers is very much informed by that age of what we started reading obviously in this case you know this is what you were reading so this is what you're writing yeah. and uh i feel the same way about what i write um so, but it's an interesting thing with YA because not a lot of YA readers are actually young adults anymore. So, right. so many young adults were young adult when Twilight came out or when Harry Potter came out and there was this sort of boom of YA readership then. 
But those people are now, you know, our age. So, um, but they're still reading it. So how does that affect the way you write your books and target those readers? I don't know if it affects the way I write books so much. Like I'm still very much like in that character's head and trying to write from their point of view and think like them. But um, I don't even know. Like I, I think what it affects the most in marketing is just who I'm targeting with my ads. Most of my readers are like around my age or like up to like 55, 60. A lot of them are like retired. So now mm-hmm. they have a lot of free time to read and they love YA. They love going back to that time and, they love the sweet romances um, and it feels, you know, safe to them, something they can enjoy. Um, and a lot of them, a lot of my readers are kind of moms around my age who like mm-hmm. staying at home with little ones or, you know, maybe they have a job. And so like they escape with their books and stuff. So I would say it affects the most like who I target with my ads. I don't really target a lot of like the teen, teen readers. Gotcha. Um, a lot of them are still reading, you know, libraries, um, reading paperbacks, hardbacks. I do yeah. have a few of those readers, like at that age, but for the most part, it's definitely um, women like 25 to 55. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, we've had a few people saying hello. Um, Dawn says hi, and uh, Sally Henson says hi. Uh, Amy Teagan's watching. Hi, Amy. So, um, got a few people hanging out. If you guys have questions for Yesenia at any point, feel free to throw them up. I'm happy to relay them. Um, and, or if you have questions later on in the comments, we'll, we'll try to um, have a conversation there as well. Uh, so thank you guys for watching. Um, so yeah, we, we talked a little bit about uh, John Patton's watching too. Right? Another another mink face coming back and, and saying hi. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, how you're obviously a mom trying to do this too. You're balancing. What's your work-life balance like in terms of how you write, when you write, um, how you get your job done? Uh, I feel like it used to be a little bit more crazy, a little bit like, you know, having a really full plate. And I feel like over the years, one of the biggest things I've learned to do is just to focus in every part of my life on just doing like the 20% of things that's going to get me the 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, just going to me and being in these Facebook groups, like it's so easy to get overwhelmed with like the thousands of things you can do as an author. Yeah courses and groups and, you know, marketing things that you can do, um, you know, always trying to put out another book too. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I choose not to do a lot of it. So I, yeah. I focus on getting the next book out, but I'm definitely not putting out like a book a month or anything like that. I yeah. focus a lot on ads or like Facebook ads. And like, that's one of the big things that I've gotten back into since me, just like getting back into Amazon ads. Um, I don't do a ton of social media. I do my newsletter, but that's like once every couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I choose not to do a lot of things and that's the biggest way I, I have balance. Yeah. One of the uh, talks I went to, which I thought was interesting, um, they talked about, I think it uh, was Becca Syme, talked about don't try to double down on the things you're weak on. Try to double down on the things that you're good at already. Like focus your efforts on that and that's how you're going to find success is the stuff that you're already doing. Just do that better um, or if you're already doing it well. Um, so do you feel like your newsletter and your you know, just consistency of writing schedule is, is what's putting you over the top? Because you're obviously doing something right because you're very successful at this. I think a big part of it was learning to write to market and that I did from like Chris Fox 
learning from him, learning from his book. So that was a big part of it. Because I've been doing this since like 2014. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I hardly sold anything. And it was because I, first of all, like there was a lot I had to learn over about story structure and how a romance works. Like, oh, you're supposed to have a happily ever after at the end. Oh, the type of cover I had was like not right. The you know, and over time, like my genres got more popular. So it's like the books that I was writing then that were just, you know, more from the heart were just not doing as well anymore. And so I really learned to, first of all, write to market. Um, what else did you say? Sorry, I like forgot the question all of a sudden. No, that's okay. I was just asking sort of like which, which things you focus on. Yeah, as your 20% items that are going to get you the 80%. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious what yeah. else you... To market, and then now like trying to put a book out like every three or four months. Yeah. Ads. I like doing ads. I like learning how to improve on ads. So that a lot of my time goes there. My newsletter, I enjoy engaging with my readers there. Um, so I, I do that. And then, you know, it, it helps me do newsletter swaps with other authors. So I'm sharing their books sometimes when they have a new book out and then they share my book. Um, what are some of the takeaways from Ninkta? You said you got a little bit more fired up about your ads afterwards. Like you went, came back to this. It's like, oh, uh-huh. I need to try this. What are some of the other things from, from Nink that you had as takeaways that you said, oh, I've got I've to get on this. This is, this is for me. Um, I think probably Amazon ads. Like I heard Mark talking about them and some of it was stuff that I've kind of heard before, but I, I got away from Amazon ads for a long time. I didn't like that, you know, the dashboard, like it doesn't, the information doesn't update on there. That's been, um, you don't know exactly what's working, what's not working. If you mm-hmm. find something that works, it's hard to replicate it. Um, so for probably the past almost year, I've been focusing pretty much exclusively on Facebook ads and those have done well for me. Um, but like this fall sales have really slumped for a lot of people, including, including me. And like, I feel like Facebook ads, I'm like, maybe I need to try something else. You know, when something's not working, like, you know, a lot of people like get down in the dumps almost and they're like, Oh, like, you know, I'm just not good at this or I'm just like, you know, I'm not, I can't, I'm not good at making money or like my books are never going to do well, but I'm always like, all right, so what else can I do? Yeah. So I'm like, when I went to me and I heard Mark talking about Amazon ads, I took away some good strategies like, you know, defensive, like, you know, running ads to your name and to your backlist. So I'm back to doing that. And then um, Caro, who I think is watching, she was talking to somebody who does really well with Amazon ads and she was telling me about it. And um, this guy, um, he has like a strategy that he uses where he kind of bids high and he runs multiple ads so like 15 or 20 ads at like $20 per day and um he bids high for a couple of weeks and then he goes in and adjusts bids as needed um mm-hmm. I'm like, give that a try and even Carol was helping me it helps so much when you have someone else to talk to you're like so um like stuck of like you can't even see what else you can try sometimes you're just yeah. like this isn't working for me but yeah. then he's like well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try running a different ad for, you know, a different comp author? And then then Amazon will like them more because each ad is super relevant and the keywords are related to that author. And so yeah. I'm just doing a lot of that, running a lot of Amazon ads, and I'm seeing sales pick back up a little bit. So I'm like, all right, you know, 
Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I got from Mink is like, okay, let's go back and try Amazon ads again and try some new strategies and see yeah. what that does. Yeah. And um, I think it's interesting too because it gives you a lot of perspective on you see all these other successful people who are attacking the exact same problems, but they've got mm -hmm. different solutions. So yeah. a, a conference like Mint gives you a bunch of other solutions in your arsenal that you could potentially try. And I think it's great that you have that positive attitude of like, okay, I'm not going to get down about this. I'm just going to switch tools or I'm going to yeah. switch methods until I find something that works. And obviously there's also, um, the fact that you're even there, I think is always nice. Like we're sitting around these parties talking to all these other successful yeah. authors. Like I remind myself, I'm here. I'm already successful. Like you're already a number one bestseller, and your your book came out last year, and it's in you know, two, top two thousand in the store or whatever. Like that's already what other people are striving so hard to achieve. Yeah. So um, I love having these conversations for to get that perspective too. Yeah. Going to conferences is so valuable because, like I said, like I was so close-minded about Amazon ads for a long time, and then I went there and I was like, you know what? Let's give these another try and see if we can't crack them. Yeah. Just hearing everybody talk about what's working for them. So yeah. we, we talked a little bit about uh, before we went live, we were chatting a little bit about how they've added a lot of new categories to uh, YA in particular. I was just looking through there on the Amazon um, dashboard of like for average dashboard. I was looking at all these different categories you could potentially target now. Yeah. Um, how has that helped you dial in your particular audience, the readers that really want your books, and how have you used that as a tool to... to grow your success um well a lot of those categories are new like you said a, a, a lot of what's happening in adult romance is kind of trickling down to like YA romance YA romance wasn't even that big of a genre when i got started there were like not even a handful of authors probably who were writing in it yeah since like really exploded um i guess you know those categories help the most and like there's a lot more places your book can be visible and it's a lot easier for readers to find what they really want. Mm -hmm. um, and so like with romantic comedy, it's like, okay, that's something new that you can try that you can really like put a focus on in your next series or your next book. And then you know that when you, you know, you put your book in that category, there's readers looking for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they're still pretty new. I haven't seen like a lot of people, Yeah. Really, you know, like, aiming to write just specifically for that category. My books fit well in that category, so I put them in there, but not, they're not straight up romantic comedy. They're funny, they're you know, funny moments, but they also yeah. have sweet moments, romantic moments. Yeah. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, as a Latina writer, as someone mm -hmm. from, you know, with Mexican heritage, like, do you, um, like, I have, I have Mexican heritage on my side of the family too, so I'm always curious about this, but I, I'm, I, it's not as, as uh, I significant, that. but like, um, how does that influence your writing? Does it influence your writing, your characters, your storylines at all? Do you um, specifically influence your stories with that at all? Definitely. I mean, they say write what you know, right? And that's, that's what I know. That's, you know, I grew up um, in a different culture. Like I was born and raised here, but it's still just completely within like Mexican culture as well. And so a lot of my characters are Latina. Mm -hmm. um, they're sometimes, you know, they're, you see it in the books, you know, the, the way they deal with their parents or like how their parents think or what they do as a family um, mm -hmm. definitely comes up. And that's definitely one of my favorite parts of writing, writing books is that I get to put myself in there and like how I grew up and 
you know, parts of my culture, sometimes there's a little bit of Spanish in there or mm-hmm. there's um, Mexican food or Mexican customs or yeah. um, just, it, I have a lot of fun with it, really. And, and there's you know, what I, how I grew up and my culture is definitely reflected in, in my books. Yeah. And I think it's a, a really good time. And I think there's so much of a, a desire for that now where we have this um, sort of more need for diversity in writing and in writers and in characters, um, more cultural backgrounds. And and I I think it's exciting to see it coming out in like Pixar movies where you've got like Coco and and like like, things like that, where you've got these wonderful like cultural heritage things being pushed into the mainstream. And um, I just think that's a really cool sort of sub sub genre that you're also able to write in with authenticity is very important, obviously. Yeah, I totally see it as a strength and as a good thing that can make me stand out. And I just let myself have a lot of fun, like putting that part of myself into my stories. And man, when I saw Coco, I'm like, oh my gosh, finally a movie where like the grandma looks like my grandma. And yeah. like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks exactly like where my grandparents look. <laughs> yeah. Like all these new movies come out and then like you get to see like your heritage in them and you know, other people are getting to see what that's like. That's, that's such yeah. a great deal. I'm glad that there's so much more of that. And, yeah. you know, my kids are growing up in that kind of world, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so good for uh, kids of other cultures to see that, oh, there's people growing up in this culture, and that's what childhood mm-hmm. is like there, and that's really fun and really cool, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just... I don't know. I just, I just think it's so great that we have the opportunity to, to sort of widen... Uh, people's minds about with through literature obviously about all these different cultures and I think that it's something like when we talk about like leaning into your strengths or tapping into those childhood things like Chris Fox says like what got you into reading like there's so many readers out there looking for this like looking for and even if they're not like Hispanic or they're not they, they don't necessarily identify like you leaning into it as a strength like does set you apart and I yeah. think other writers should definitely, if they have something like that in their culture, their backgrounds, like no matter what culture it is, like definitely like use it in it your writing. Interest. It doesn't even have to be your culture. It could be like an interest or a hobby or something. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, I think that level of authenticity um, really resonates with readers. And um, yeah, I think it's nice. I think it's cool. Can you tell me? I had a couple of people um, comment about um, just your book, uh, The Real Cinderella, and the covers and stuff. Could you tell people a little bit just about the plot of The Real Cinderella and like what's the story about? It's a Cinderella retelling, just told like in modern day. So um, they meet anonymously online. She tutors him online. He's like a, an ath- a student athlete, and he's doing their life failing math, and so she tutors him and. Um, they know that they go to the same school district, but eventually they find out they actually go to the same school and yeah. it's going to be like a homecoming dance. And so he wants to meet and then she's like, oh my God, he's going to find out. I'm just like, it's nobody. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole at this school. Like, um, yeah. and she's just always been alone and, you know, doesn't really have any friends. There's just, you know, the two evil stepsisters and the evil stepmom who doesn't like her and all of that. And, yeah. Um, and then, you know, she's also, the school, at the same time, the school counselor um, decides to put her and five other girls in, like, this social group. She thinks these girls could really, like, come together and be friends and support each other in this, you know, crazy place that is high school. 
Um, and, you know, so she picks up these new friends. And so the first book, like, there's a series arc of, like, their friendship. But the first book is, like, where they kind of meet and start to get to know each other. Um, and so when, you know, the boy wants to meet at the dance, the, she's like, no way. And then their friends are like, nope, we're going to make this happen. Like, yeah. You know, you're supposed to be somewhere else with your stepmother on that night, and she's not letting you go, but we're going to make this happen. And so, like, all kind of fun things ensue to get her there and to, you know, meet yeah. her. charming. And, yeah. And just, it's very typical, like, the the, Roman, the Cinderella um, trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of whole, like, my twist on it and just yeah. having fun with it, putting friends in there, putting in, like, the fairy godmother, but it's not who you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, so... And it's it's such an interesting. I think it's one of the most fascinating. It is like they've just they've done research. The Cinderella story is one of the, the most like number one most satisfying story structure. Yeah. That you can write. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like it's it's got infinite variation. Like my book I just wrote that I'm launching in a couple of weeks is is a Cinderella story structure, even yeah. though it's got you know cars and sword fights. Like you know, Gladiator is Cinderella. You know, like yeah. Rocky is Cinderella. Like there's like. If you look at the bones of it, the underlying structure yeah. of it, it's the same satisfying basic structure, yeah. and like uh, it's just fascinating to see how many different retellings can be yeah. amazing and just wonderful because it's just so good. Like it's just a, such a satisfying. Like I, I'm excited to read your book just from the description you just gave me. Like I'm like that is a perfect setup. Like yeah. you know the tutor has to meet him at the home and coming dance. Like that's that's brilliant. That's just really well executed. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's awesome, and I think it's super cool that you were able to like really dive into those tropes and say, "This is where they go. This is what's really going to resonate with readers." And, and I, very, uh, I very purposely did like I did a lot of research using this this book, but I also put the four friends in there just because like there's a lot of romances. Like you get to the end, they're together, and then like okay, how do you make the reader go on to like the next book? Yeah, so, like, each of the four other friends are they each get their own book too. That's and, exciting. You're getting to know these friends, and then, like, if you want to keep, you know, hanging out with them again, getting to know who they are and what yeah. they're going to go through, then you just go through the rest of the series. And they each get their own really fun trope. So. That, that is really cool. <laughs> I, when you um, kind of, like, decide on your tropes, um, like, what are some of the influences that go into, like, how much of it is, like, okay, this is what I really like versus, like, okay, this is what I think my readers like or like how do you how do you decide to choose like which tropes you fill your stories with well i feel like there would be a lot of overlap between what i like to see yeah and the readers see because i'm yeah. like them i like to read and watch a lot you know read the same books watch a lot of the same movies and tv shows as them so i know that like if i'm having fun with it and i'm loving it and i'm like giggling when i'm writing or like tearing up like i know they're gonna like it because a lot of it just is just like I know if I'm really loving this, like I know it's going to resonate with them, because mm-hmm. um, we have that in common. You know, I wouldn't be writing it if I'm like I didn't really love it, and then we just naturally attract the readers for it because we have those same uh, yeah, the, the same type of storylines and tropes resonate. Yeah. With um, so a lot of it just goes down to like let's pick a trope, but let's kind of see what we can do with it and make it a little different, um, but still have like those those important moments that go along with that trope and what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, but plus, it's like, okay, so how are we going to, like, fill in those blanks? What kind of character are we going to have? Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just a lot of like playing, like, what if we did this? What if that character did that? Yeah, a lot of what if questions are always yeah. useful. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like you have this template, but now you get to like fill it in however you want, as long as you follow the template. Yeah, I think it's super clever that you have a hashtag already built into the title of your book <laughs> that like hashtag the real Cinderella is, you know, already in the title. So like you, you're just like set up for social media influencing, um, <laughs> right, right out of the gate. Like everything, every time you write the title of your book, you're going to have a hashtag in there. Um, how did that factor into your sort of brand building and like going outside the book? So I know you have a VIP reader group. I know you've also got like uh, a, a vlog. Um, like how does your overall brand kind of tie together? Um, well, with my covers, I really wanted them to blend in with traditional um, mm. because it's like a very certain style right now and like with that indies are using in White A Romance, um, which is like the Kissing Feet, which is super cute. But I was like, I really love some of these traditional covers and I really want like my brand and my books to like blend in with traditional, which is more like super colorful, big, pretty fonts. Um, yeah. Of them are illustrated right now so i decided to go in that direction i was like i really want to blend in with traditional yeah. um, and even like how you know, amazon publishing yeah um, and so i just decided to make my brand like that too just really colorful have it pop um have it be super pretty i feel like that works really well in ya is just like those bright pretty covers like you almost just want to buy the book just because the cover is so it's yeah. so pretty. so I've, I've really gone with that I, I really like those colors anyway and so I'm yeah, it, it just yeah. looks like fun. I mean, you look yeah. at it and you're like, oh, well, there's going to be a basketball player in this, and there's yeah. going to be like a, you know, you it, it's cool. modern because there's a phone, but there's also a crown, which everyone just loves crowns. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, yeah. And, and it's white aromance. I mean, there's darker white aromance too, which is a little bit more spicier, or, yeah. you know, has other um, themes and tones. And those covers, uh oh, you're freezing for me. Uh oh, okay. And, no, yeah. you're fine now. It was okay. just like, okay. um, a lot of those covers are on the darker side. They have like the dark purples, the blacks, the grays, and so. Okay. Mine stand out with like the bright colors. That almost signifies that it's more on the sweeter side. Okay, I know that your brand is you know first kisses and, and coming of age. Um, so where do you draw the line on your romance spice? Is it just like okay, we get to the first kiss at the end of the book? Is that typically like where you leave it? There might be a first kiss like in the middle of the book. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the couple is torn apart by whatever, but right. it's usually just gets to kissing and that's it. Um, okay. There's usually any curse words either. And yeah, n nothing, nothing beyond like the kissing and okay. definitely more on like the emotional part of falling in love. Do you uh, always set it in high school? Or do you ever use like summer vacation? Do you ever have like a non in the school story or do you usually stick to using the high school trope? Uh, like in this series, it, like the third book, I think takes place over the summer because she's a transfer student and she has to like make up some credits that getting transferred for she's in summer school. Ah, okay. Bad boys is in summer school for like other reasons. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a standalone like summer YA romance that takes place over the summer. There's like a Christmas romance that takes place over the Christmas break. Um, yeah. So yeah, at least not always just the school year. All right. Well, that's cool. That's, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, and then, um, how do you, how do you work time in for, for right? You have writermom.net. Um, so you have a, a vlog over there. Uh, how, how does that tie in? Do you, you tie it into your, is that just finding more readers like you in, 
in because you like these books, therefore they will also like these books, or is it, do you keep it completely kind of like non-marketing? Oh, do you mean like it's just what I do with Writer Mom, like trying to get readers for my fiction? Is that what you're I would just, I mean, I don't know if it is or it isn't. I was just asking you, like, how do you yeah. connect them? It was very, it, it was very separate in my mind, um, and it was more of just like I'm on this journey, like as an indie author and I've gone from like being at that stage where you're literally selling like one copy a month to like, okay, I'm starting to make some money at this and I'm learning yeah. new things. And so it was just me wanting to like share and document that journey and like, okay, mm -hmm. if I'm like a couple steps ahead of somebody else, like I want to like turn around and give them a hand and kind of show them what I'm doing and what I'm picking up. Yeah. Um, it's also probably like the teacher in me. I was a middle school teacher for three years. So I just naturally enjoy kind of, you know, teaching everybody else kind of like what I'm doing and how I'm yeah. doing things like that. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm kind of taking a break from it just because I have some uh, personal stuff going on and I really want to focus on like reaching the next level in my fiction. Um, but I have some ideas on like maybe in the future I'd like to do a podcast on some of like the mindset stuff mm -hmm. I'm learning that's really um, helping me level up. Yeah. Uh, and like in my personal life and my business life so um but right now it's um I'm, I'm just taking a break from from it i was doing youtube videos um but it was really just a lot of it was for me i didn't have a huge audience or anything like that I had a few few people who were following what i was doing but a lot of it was just like i just want to put this out there <laughs> yeah no i think it's great i think it's so wonderful this this day and age to have different ways for people to connect with you and it's so nice that the indie um, author community is so good about turning around and giving back because there are so many new writers coming on any every given day who yeah. are trying to follow in your footsteps and saying look you're doing exactly what I would love to be doing how did you get there can you help me yeah. get there and those people eventually become your friends and yeah. your contemporaries and it's, yeah. it's just such a cool community yeah last year I did a whole series <laughs> on how I wrote to market and yeah launching and like how much money i was making and what i was spending and like where i flopped and where i made mistakes and yeah so, you know cool. it definitely helped a few people so i was glad that i was able to you know share that are those also on writermom.net is that the best place for people to find those videos yeah so on that website you'll see the youtube channel and some of the videos are embedded in that website um okay. yeah it'll take you back to the youtube channel where you can see some of those Okay, and I know you also have a Facebook group, and um, of course, I just followed you on Instagram. Where's the best way when when you um, when people want to reach out to you? Where's the best place for people to find you? Where do you interact the most and connect? Um, Facebook, like my okay. personal profile is fine. Instagram, I just have like the one account now because I used to have a separate one for my fiction, but I just like I said, I don't do a ton of social media to begin with. So I right. In there very often, so. My uh, this is writer mom account is like where I post everything now personal fiction or writer writer stuff. Yeah. Um, and like if you're into the, into white romance, uh, I have a Facebook group for readers and uh, a newsletter. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, um, we've blazed through our half hour as expected. There's always so much more we yeah. can talk about. But um, uh, thank you for being on the show. I think this has been a, a really fun episode. I've really personally enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm sure the listeners and, and readers are. Um, I had Oh, I did have one question that I ignored. Um, sorry about that, John. John asked, uh, what is your average word count per book, and how long does it take you to write one? Also, do you outline or pants it? I'm definitely an outliner. I'm just okay. like a planner. 
yeah. my teacher. Um, when I tried to hand in the beginning, it didn't work well for me. Um, so I definitely uh, outline using Romancing the Beat. It's a great book for romance writers. It's more romance story structure. Yeah. The book is about 50,000 words. Sometimes it's a little bit less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. And um, when I'm writing consistently Monday through Friday, they usually take me about six weeks. Sometimes it's a little bit longer than that if I have, you know, other stuff going on because it's getting sick. But um, that's usually like a pretty good time frame, just a draft and then not counting. Yeah. That yeah see uh jillian dodd is watching another another good uh ya contemporary romance writer so fellow yes um hi jillian yeah yeah. really great wide actually my books are all in kindle unlimited but she's doing amazing things wide and with um um apple ibooks absolutely yeah someone you might want to talk to well, we we meet up. Uh, Jillian is local, which is great. So she's another uh, St. Pete local writer. So uh, yeah, she's she's amazing. She's yeah. I've already learned a ton from Jillian. I need to get her on here for an episode soon, one of these days. So uh, sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, Yesenia, thank you so much for for your time and, and uh, being with us today. And I really appreciate it. And I would love to have you on again in the future uh, for another episode. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with someone else you think might enjoy it. So I hope you all um, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again soon. So long. Bye.